Hey y'all, welcome to Your Best Pet, Conversations with a Vet. My name is Dr. D, and I am here to educate you on the important topics you didn't know you needed to know. Communication is the key in any relationship, and I believe with my whole heart that if you are educated in a way that you can understand, that'll make you the best pet parent you can be. So let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome here to this episode of Your Best Pet. I am Dr. D, and today we are going to talk about um, a species that is a little controversial, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Um, They are a species that are to me, a little more challenging to take care of than some other species out there, exotic species, pocket pets, however you want to call them. Um, The species I am referring to is sugar gliders. As some of you who know me personally probably know, sugar gliders are not my personal favorite. I know many people who have them. I know many people who love them. Um, but they're, they're not my fave. Um, there's a lot of reasons why. There's a lot of past history that goes into sugar gliders for me personally. Um, but they're not my number one. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But um, what I want to go over t- with you today is how to properly care for a sugar glider because it can be really challenging. And so that's what we're going to touch on today. Um, so we'll jump right in here we'll get started um now we will start with where they hail from because sugar gliders they come from australia um they also can be found in parts of indonesia and i believe new zealand too um but mainly australia they are um Their lifespan can be, in the wild, their lifespan is less than 10 years, which most things in the wild are going to be less than 10 years. Um, In captivity, these guys can live upwards of 12 years. Um, I would say comfortably between 6 and 12 um, is a good lifespan for them, depending on disease and cancer and and things like that. Um, I have heard of them living as long as 17 years. There was one um, that I can recall specifically that was 17 years old. However, um, most of the time, upwards of 12, that's what all the papers say. So um, the problem with sugar gliders is that they are arboreal, which means they live in the trees, which is kind of hard to do in a... um, house type setting um also their diet um technically by the books they're considered omnivores some people say that they are technically insectivores but realistically the hard part about this species specifically is their diet their diet changes um every season uh, up up to every month, depending on what's available around them. And so it's really hard to duplicate that in um, a captive scenario. So in your own home, 
where you're constantly changing their diet on them, but still getting them the nutrition that they need and the protein that they need and all of that. So we'll we'll get we'll dive into that a little more. Um, let's do surface level type stuff. So uh, they're arboreal, which means they live in trees. Uh, they are nocturnal, uh, which means they are awake at night and they sleep during the day, which can be problematic if they're in your bedroom because <laughs> they're awake while you um, are sleeping and they can be noisy and loud and and all over the place. Um, to me, they're kind of like, uh, how do you say that? They're, they are, they glide from tree to tree. So they're not, they don't fly like a bird. They kind of like a flying squirrel. Um, they have these little flaps of skin that they can glide from one branch to the next. They're kind of like a possum adjacent, uh, so they are um, a marsupial. Um, so their babies live in little pockets in their belly. Um, they have a gestation of 17 days. Yes, 17 days. That's like two and a half weeks, um, which is problematic if you don't want them to have babies. Um, because oftentimes you don't know that they had a baby because it's in the pouch. So unless you're like checking all the time, you never know, right? They stay in their mom's pouch, the babies do. Um, kind of like, you know, like other marsupials, right? They stay in the pouch for up to, I believe, 70 days. Um, and then they're kind of go off on their when they're in the wild they go off on their own somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 ish days so they can be prolific breeders um meaning they have lots of babies over and over again um typically with one pregnancy they have one to three babies and so you can imagine they've got one in the pouch and one on the way um you can expect quite a few babies over the course of a year. Um, so that being said, most um, sugar gliders are actually spayed and neutered before you get them. So I personally have never done a spay or a neuter on a sugar glider. Um, the one that I needed done, I referred elsewhere. So it's not something that you're going to necessarily have to do. Um, almost every breeder that I've ever heard of already has them spayed and neutered prior to them going off into the world or going to their new homes. So not necessarily something you should have to worry about. However, you do want to ask that question and just make sure that they are in fact spayed and neutered before you get them. Uh, they are fairly small. They range uh, from like five to six and a half inches. Males are usually bigger. They're usually the, the bigger um, sex. And then they do have a partially prehensile tail, meaning that their tail is kind of like a thumb. So they can use it to help them climb and glide um, different directions and grab onto different things, which is kind of fun. Um, when I think of a prehensile tail, I think of a spider monkey just because that's like a third arm for them. So that's what I think about, but it's partial. So it's like a thumb, not necessarily like a dexterous situation. So um, 
let's see what else uh what else can i tell you about sugar gliders they are um there's no vaccines required for this species so you shouldn't have to worry about you know taking the vet and getting them vaccinated you do want an exam once a year just to make sure they're nice and healthy their hearts are good you're not seeing any evidence of cancers lumps or bumps checking their teeth all of that good stuff um most of the time, I only see these guys when there's a problem. Um, most people don't do what you're supposed to do, and they don't take them to the vet once a year because they have no idea um, that they're supposed to be doing that. Um, but if you're a good pet owner and you are listening to this podcast to see if this is a good pet for you, um, then you'll want to make sure you find a vet in your area that sees exotics and make sure that they can, in fact, see sugar gliders Could because not all exotic vets will see this species. So make sure you're calling and you're asking. So um, that being said, temperature requirements for these guys mostly are, um, you want summertime temperatures. And to me, summertime temperatures are 65 to 85. If it's too cold for you, it's too cold for them. If it's too hot for you, it's too hot for them. So keep that in mind. Um, you want to keep them in those summer temperatures because these guys, can hibernate they can go into a torpor state which is hibernation um, and that's not necessarily what you want you want them to stay active year-round because when they go in and out of hibernation that's when they can get sick and die um, and we try and avoid that at all costs so that is your temperature requirements housing is one of those funky things that the nice answer is it depends <laughs> and the complicated answer is how much space do you have for these guys to be running around in your house so what i suggest um, is if you just have one sugar glider then you want a space that is big enough for them to glide back and forth from the different sides of the enclosure um, and you want to create a space where they can glide and go back and forth. You want it to be big enough that they don't feel trapped, um, which I guess is the best way I can explain that to you. Um, typically for a solo sugar glider, the minimum amount of space that you want is one and a half to two and a half feet size wise, like wide, but that's a minimum requirement. Realistically, you want a bigger space because you want them to be to be able to glide and, and to go back and forth from branch to branch. They don't typically spend a lot of time on the bottom of the enclosure, but they certainly can. Most people end up feeding them at the bottom of the enclosure. So you do want a substrate on the bottom. Uh, I typically will go with like either a hardwood like Aspen or um, something like the recycled paper bedding, like Carefresh or fluff bedding, the wrap fluff bedding. Um, all of those work really well for that purpose. Um, and then it you know, obviously catches poop and pee and all that grossness. Um, and you want to make sure that you do have some place where they can go and rest that's at the bottom on the ground because in the wild, they would still be doing that even though they're arboreal. So they still go down on the ground on occasion, but mostly they're hanging out in the trees. Um, 
Now, if you have more than one sugar glider, you wanna add on an extra foot for every extra glider that you have. So that's my best rule of thumb. Um, most people, most places that you'll read online say for every extra sugar glider, you wanna double the size of the enclosure, which you can imagine if you have four or five, that's like an entire room of your house. So take that into consideration when you're thinking about getting this species. Um, and yeah, that's what I would do. Um, they are extremely active. They are very fast and they're very tiny so they can get away from you really easy. And if they're not super socialized, they can be aggressive. Super social sugar gliders can make really great pets. Sugar gliders that are not socialized can be very aggressive and bite and scratch and um, they're pretty to look at, but they're not the best pets and they're not the best patients. So keep that in mind um, when you're thinking about getting one. Um, and then as far as like setting up the enclosure, you want to get an enclosure that the wires are big enough that they're not going to get their little hands or the little their little arms stuck between the wires because that does happen you want it big enough that they're not going to get trapped in it but you want it small enough that they're not going to escape which is a delicate balance i understand um but you do want to make sure that they're big enough because they will stick their hands through the bars and their feet through the bars and they can get their little toes stuck and when that happens that's usually when they have trauma or they break their leg um the most common problem i see with sugar gliders is trauma um hands down they hurt themselves more than most other species and they're very tiny and they're very delicate so you want to make sure that the grating the the wire of the enclosure is small enough that they're not going to escape but big enough so they're not going to hurt themselves that's the best thing i can recommend um, and then setting it up, you're going to want a lot of kind of hanging branches. You're going to want hammocks and pouches and places for them to hide and kind of like think about trees. You know, they're going to have um, pouches in the tree, pouches in the trees, uh, <laughs> pouches kind of simulate having a nest box like in the trees or like a hole in the trees that they can go hollow that's what it's called a hollow in the tree that they can go and hide in and and kind of burrow um, and feel safe and comfortable um, you want kind of hammocks where they can laze around you want branches for them to be able to glide back and forth on and like i said you want it big enough that they don't feel trapped um, the more space you have for them to roam, the less neurotic they are, because when they're in a tight, small space, they can go a little crazy and they can be a little neurotic. So keep that in mind. Um, that's the best thing that you can do for them is, is a little more space, more mental stimulation, more activity, all that good stuff. Okay, now for the part that you're probably tuning in for, and that is diet recommendations. Now, when it comes to sugar gliders, because they change their diet, which I mentioned earlier, they change their diet throughout the seasons. So 
one month they'll be eating um, tree sap. The next month they'll be eating nectar. The next month they're eating strictly insects. Um, so they, they're technically considered omnivores, but they're kind of insectivores and they're kind of um, sometimes vegetarians and sometimes they are more carnivorous and it just kind of depends on what they have available in the wild and what is in season and what's not. So your safest bet in captivity is you want a pelleted diet. Um, in the wild, these guys don't eat a ton of fruits and vegetables, but they do eat some, um, depending on what's available, some berries and things like that. Um, so in captivity, your safest bet is to do a primarily pelleted diet. So they're getting those trace vitamins and minerals. They have enough protein in their diet. And then you want to rotate in insects and some fruit and veg um, seasonally to try and mimic a wild diet for them. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and collect tree sap and try and offer it to them. That is not what I'm suggesting. The trees that we have here are not the trees that they have in Australia. So <laughs> that's not really going to be your safest bet. So um, when it comes to a pellet uh, recommendations wise, um, I usually, there's a lot of different kinds of pelleted diets that you'll see on the market. Um, the ones that I recommend are going to have a protein percentage of about 35 and a fat percentage of about 10%. So 35% protein, 10% fat, which is going to be more like a hedgehog diet, less like a cat diet. So your feline diets are not going to be the best thing that you can feed. I know I read a lot of stuff that says, you know, it's perfectly fine to feed cat food to your, um, as a supplement option for your sugar glider. My response to that is usually, no, there are plenty of other diets on the market right now that are labeled for sugar gliders and that are better. So I typically, if you're asking me for a brand recommendation, I usually will recommend Pretty Pets. Um, Pretty Pets makes a sugar glider specific diet that you can get online from their website or from Amazon. And that's usually your best bet. There are a number of other diets on the market that are labeled for sugar gliders and you just wanna check the percentages. Um, I know I had a mentor who was very adamant that they not eat the um, the beet leafers diet, the leaf, leaf beefers, whatever, diet, um, because they changed their formula and they're not as good and they're not as nutritious as they used to be. Um, just make sure you're paying attention to the percentages that are in there. Um, that's what I typically recommend uh, is pretty pets. Um, and then that pelleted diet is going to be the majority of what you feed them. And then you want to build onto that. So by building onto it, I mean, you're going to add insects, you're going to add fruit and veg, I typically will rotate um, fruit and veg with the seasons. So with what is in season at that time, whether it's grapes or mangoes or apples or um, whatnot, and then you want like a leafy green um, like your spinach and your romaine and your green leaf lettuce, not iceberg, 
that's not nutritious. We all know that. Um, and as far as insects go, what I typically recommend, my favorite insect to feed for most species, not just sugar gliders, is earthworms. Super nutritious, super protein heavy, without having a lot of extra fat and crunch. Um, soldier fly larvae are a good alternative. Um, sometimes uh, crickets or roaches. You want to avoid, and I know, I know, because I've walked into PetSmart and Petco and listened to them explain this, and it rips my soul out, which is why we're doing this podcast. Um, please don't feed them mealworms. Mealworms are not nutritious, and they will get chunky and overweight when they're eating an exclusive mealworm diet. That is not an appropriate diet for a sugar glider. And just make sure you listen to the rest of my information on diets so that you're getting a full picture of what you should be feeding. Okay, so no mealworms, nix those. They're not nutritious um, and and they're not going to be the best diet. Um, And then if you're not going to feed pellets. So I have some clients that are like they won't eat the pellets. They refuse. I usually will recommend trying different brands to see if you can find one that they will eat. There are a number of different brands on the market that you can try. Just keep that protein percentage in mind, 35%, 10% fat, and just try and get as close to that as possible. If you're not going to feed a pelleted diet, they are not going to have enough calcium um, and trace vitamins and minerals that they need. And so then you will have to supplement vitamins in a homemade diet. So if you're going to make a diet, I've heard of people feeding these guys so many, so many things, so many things um, like chicken and uh, other meat sources like ground beef and things like that. That is not typically something that I recommend. I usually recommend sticking with your insects because that is what these guys guts are geared toward. Um, So if you're going to do a homemade diet, make sure you're doing like gut loaded crickets or, you know, the earthworms and and those kinds of things. That's going to be a lot better for you. But then you're going to have to add supplements on top of that. So like your um, your calcium supplements, your there there's some that you can buy. There is a um, website Oh, that I don't remember offhand, but uh, that you can buy supplements if you're making a homemade diet. So just do your research. Um, if you have any questions, you can always DM me. Um, happy to, to talk about it if you have more questions on this. Um, things that you want to avoid with diets with these guys, you want to ado- avoid feeding a ton of fruits and vegetables because we tend to overdo it and that's too much for their little gut. Um, you want to avoid mealworms like we talked about. You also want to avoid things that are high in fat. So seeds, nuts, a ton of cheese and cottage cheese and yogurts and things like that. They can eat a little bit of it every now and then, but you don't want that as a part of their staple diet. You want that as a treat every now and then. You don't want them to get fat. So Um, Obesity is a big problem with these kids because oftentimes they are on an inappropriate diet um, and uh, malnutrition. Um, There's a few other diseases that these guys get. Um, I won't go into that Um, on this podcast episode. The majority of the issues that these guys have is trauma. 
or um, an inappropriate diet. So keep that in mind. Make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you're asking questions. Talk to your veterinarian. Um, You can always DM me on Instagram if you have specific questions. Happy to answer it. And that's all I have for you guys today. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Um, If a sugar glider is your best pet, let me know. Um, And hopefully this episode helps you decide if a sugar glider is your best pet. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a fantastic week. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Uh, If you found it helpful, send it to somebody you think it would help too. Um, You can like, comment, share this pod on Insta. It's your best pet pod. Um, And if you love this podcast, five stars only, please, at the bottom. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. It helps the pod grow and reach more people. Until next time, hope you're living life with your best pet. We'll see you next week.